Welcome to the Around the Table podcast, where we believe that there's room for everyone at the table. We have been in a series at New Covenant Church called Love Songs Volume 4, and we ask you to send in your questions for a Q&A panel. So this episode is a little different, as we recorded this Q&A panel live on a Sunday morning with Pastor Stephen and Tandra Warnock and their hosts, Pastor Gary and Mindy Pace. And we're so glad you're able to join us for this episode. So pull up a chair and let's jump into today's discussion. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Oh, come on. Y'all can do better than that. Good morning, everybody. All right. All right. Well, welcome, guys. We are so glad you're here with us today. It's going to be an awesome time. But guys, we want to just uh, open up by saying this has been an awesome series so far. Aren't you excited about it? Yeah, you know, we're at the final ser- final part of our series, and uh, we got uh, something special planned for you, but today we will not have a love song, but that's okay. We got something, a nice panel, we're going to get into that just a, uh, in a little bit, but hey, before we get into all that, let's welcome everybody at our South Campus, uh, those who are online, and a special welcome to Upshur County Jail. Guys, we love you, and we're glad you're here. But let's keep that uh, that same round of applause for somebody special. Let's stand to our feet and give a thunderous welcome to our lead pastors, Stephen and Tandra Warnock. Y'all did not have to stand to your feet, but thank you. A thunderous applause. Thunderous applause. <laughs> but hey, guys, you are so, uh, we're so blessed to have you. But you know, Pastor Stephen, uh, this series has been so awesome. And I, if I can say, speak on behalf of everyone, he killed it this month, didn't he? This Love Song series is so awesome. You know, it, and with that, Pastor Stephen, um, you know, it brought a lot of questions. As you, we had it on, some of you tuned in online, you, you put your uh, questions in the chat box. Some of you uh, hit the QR code on the corner, put your questions there as well. And so today, this is for you. We are having this service to answer the questions, the deeper questions you had about marriage and relationships. And we have these fine people right next to us. Uh, now, hold on. Re- I thought you were going to sing when I came out. No, we... <clears throat> No, I'm just we kidding. thought of that. It's just, you I'm know, just I got kidding. a little tongue-tied. I just couldn't do it. But no, but hey, guys, uh, we're super excited about this. Y'all ready for this? Sure. Da-na-na-na. Ready or not, here we are, Ready right? or not, here we are. But I want to jump right into this, guys. Uh, this first question, really, y'all came out the uh, woodwork here. Y'all came out swinging. So the first question is this. What does the Bible say about interracial dating? Yeah, they did it, didn't they? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe y'all should answer. What do y'all think? No, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just playing. We'll get to that. In, we'll get to that in just a minute. Right. Um, I don't know who asked this question because they're anonymous. I think so. Yeah. I don't question. know if it's it's a good question yeah. because I think um, it sounded like they're asking for someone else, like they felt some pressure and they want to know because they didn't ask about interracial marriage. Maybe it was us. Maybe it was you guys. No. <laughs> um, but. I love to speak into this subject because uh, we have at, we've been asked this question before, and the Bible doesn't speak specifically to interracial dating, but there is a time in the scripture, I think it's Numbers 15, where um, Moses, who was Jewish, married a Cushite woman who was Ethiopian, so she was darker, and Miriam, Moses' sister, got mad at Moses for marrying this Cushite woman. So God was displeased with that. So he turned Miriam white and gave her leprosy, which I think is kind of ironic. 
that she was mad that Moses married a darker woman, so she got turned white. I didn't know if y'all would get that or not. Anyway, <laughs> but that happened. But where, why, I think, let me get to the heart of the issue, because why people ask this question is there are some scriptures in the Old Testament that could make it seem uh, like God may be against that. In Deuteronomy 7 specifically, uh, there's a number of places, but in Deuteronomy 7, I'm barked it here, it says uh, when God was talking about taking over other countries and the land that he was giving them, he actually says, you must not intermarry with them and do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters. But here's why. For they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. And so when you look throughout scripture, God is not against interracial dating or marrying. What he would be against is interfaith dating. And that is always the issue when it comes to dating or marriage. It has nothing to do with their race, their culture, their background. It has to do with their allegiance to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So it, the, the concern for God was, and you can see this, this happened in the Old Testament, where they would marry a woman from the land that they had taken, and that woman would convert the man to worship their gods, you know, because women have power. And they, do. they can be persuasive at times, you know. <laughs> and so that's what God was against. And so I would just say, if, if, that's, if this is a question that you have, a lot of times this question doesn't come, it comes because of tradition or because of a generational thing where I think it honestly, I think it, it may have stemmed from a right place, but I think it reveals a wrong heart um, because it's really not about anything but your faith in Christ. Great answer. You know, I can relate to this actual question. Uh, years ago, um, there's a lady, uh, she's in our congregation this morning. Uh, it was a service just like this, and she got convicted in her heart, and she pulled me to the back of the church and said, Gary, I want to talk to you. And uh, we began the conversation. She said, when I grew up, my parents didn't teach me uh, to allow this kind of thing, what I see happening in your marriage. And I said, oh, really? She said, but Gary, I've watched you for a long time, and I've seen the way you carry yourself. I've seen the way you honor God and honor your wife and in your, your children as well. She said, I just, want you, I just want to repent to you. She said, I've already repented to God. I just want to change your heart. And, and I'll be honest with you, that lady is part of our family now. You know, she's very, very close to us, and it just really goes to show that Jesus, when he came to earth, love had no color. There's no one God cannot love. So who are we to judge or even go into that same mindset of, hey, I believe this way. No, God, let's, let's lean in on what God says. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Um, I, while you were talking, I just thought, too, <laughs> I mean, all of us came from interracial families. If you go trace back all the way to the, where do you think all the races came from? God created one family and they multiplied out of that. And so... Yeah, your your family's interracial down the there line it is. somewhere. Somewhere so. down the line, right? All right, let's keep rolling, ladies. I believe this question you can handle even better for sure. And it's a two part question, and we're gonna roll right into it. What is God's plan for wives and families' finances? How does a working mom fit into raising babies and children while contributing to paying bills? And the other part of that is, what about a mother's energy at the end of the day when she comes home from working? And what about single moms who have to work? You want me to go first? Drum roll. Okay. Let's get it, ladies. Um, no, those are such great questions. I think the finances question could be, I read it a completely different way than Pastor Stephen did. Go figure that. Um, so 
no, but it could be read a couple ways, so I'm going to address it a couple ways. I think if it's in regards to women helping or doing the finances, whoever's better at the finances needs to do it, in my opinion. Um, now, that doesn't give, if the woman, I know we have some friends in Dallas, and the woman does all the finances, but she's really solid at it. She's a couponer person. She's awesome. And uh, you can tell I'm not a couponer, but uh, that's okay. So she does all the finances, but everything that they do, her husband wants to be a part. Her husband wants to, they sit together, they write the bills together. So she's in charge of it. She manages it, but um, he always knows what's going on. So no matter what, um, I could actually do a better job of what's, what's going on because he carries all that. Um, but, but it's important that both people are on the same page, that both people... Um, are in it together, even if the woman is doing it. So what are you going to say? I was confused by what you just said. Did you say you wanted to do the finances? No. no, no. <laughs> I heard that. No. I don't know what y'all heard. No. Yeah. But. I think my parents, they like specifically prayed for someone that was good with money for me. So yeah, they really did. So anyways, but that was, that was one part. And then the other was, um, I just went blank, was the... the no, the energy. You go on that first, and maybe what I had will come back. Okay. Well, I just wanted to touch on, um, as far as in the Bible, does it say the women have to work or the women do not have to work? They must stay at home. And it doesn't specifically say that either way. I, I took the message paraphrase in Titus 2, 4, and 5. It says, by looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children, be virtuous and pure keep a good house, and be good wives. We don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of their behavior. And so I think that just shows that what's most important, whether you, it's whatever works best for your family. Some families, the wife stays home. Some families, the wife has to work. And so it really depends on what works for your family. But what's, what's most important is that we don't neglect our spouse and our children. So if the wife does work, then they just need to make sure at the end of the day that they have enough energy to still care for their spouse and their children and to do the things around the house that need to be done. Yeah, that's good. And if the, if the wife and the husband are working, then I think that that's a load that can be shared. Um, so most of the time. Can I talk into this for a second? Yes, please do. Okay. No. I didn't know if you guys had more. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to interrupt if you wanted to share more. You can interrupt okay. anytime. I can, no, I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> uh, so to, I think the reason people get confused about that is there are some passages, the one you just read and one in Timothy specifically, um, depending on the translation, that that's make it sound like the woman needs to stay at home and work in the house. And if you look up, because I actually went and looked up what the words meant in the Greek, uh, for takes care of the home. It didn't mean that they had to stay home and work. Whether they work out of the home or work to take care of the home, it's the principle Mindy was just talking about. And you can't neglect that because you can look at Scripture and you can look at the Proverbs 31 woman, which we all hold up, right? I mean, that girl had a job. She had a side hustle. It says that she, I mean, it says she was selling wool and flax and she bought land and used the profits to do something else. And I was just like, you want to buy some property, babe? Like, we could do this, you know. <laughs> just kidding. But she didn't neglect her, her role as a wife and her role as a mom. And I would say the same thing is true of men. You know, a lot of times men, we can say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the one that works. But then when we come home, we talk about the energy level. Because you're maybe even the main provider or the sole provider, doesn't mean that you can 
not have energy for your family at home. I mean, that is the same picture. It's like you've still got to be the husband God called you to be and the father God called you to be and not neglect the home as well. So I think that goes for both uh, people. And actually this morning as I was praying, I was reminded of Jesus's ministry. Much of Jesus's ministry in the New Testament was funded by women who worked, who had money. I mean, you can go look and see that they were providing for uh, a lot of the things that they were doing. And so they obviously had jobs at some level to make money. So part of the question, though, if I remember correctly, was um, the energy level and then single moms, right? And single moms, you don't have that option, unfortunately. And so my heart goes out to you. You've got to be the provider. You've got to be the mother. You've got to be the father at home. And you've got a difficult job, but through the grace of God, he can provide that for you. He can be the husband that you need. He can be the father at home that you need. He can provide energy for you. And I would just say lean into him for more of that and to this family. We always say you have a family. So God brings you into that family to help you. And this is your spiritual family as well. Amen. Amen. Good answer. Hey, we're going to keep this thing going. Here's another question. I really think somebody in the audience really need to get this answered. Um, What about marriages that are abusive? If a person is abusive or dangerous with no intentions of changing, isn't it divorce a better uh, option than continuing to put uh, up with that behavior? Why is everybody looking at me? Um, These are your questions. Nobody, want, nobody wanted to answer that one? All right. Cool, 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 cool. Um, so this is a difficult question. Um, and let me first preface it by saying to, like, Pastor Gary and I did a podcast. We have a podcast called the Around the Table Podcast. And uh, that's you can get to their, our website and get it from there. But we spent 45 minutes kind of on this subject. So it's much deeper if you want to go in and listen to that on marriage and divorce and things like that. So we're going to touch on that a little bit, but uh, nobody, like I said last week, was stronger on marriage than Jesus. So read the words of Jesus on this, but this particular issue in scripture is not addressed. And that's what makes it pretty difficult is it's not addressed specifically, but you can make the case in several places. First of all, if abuse can be a wide range And a lot of people today will use that word for emotional, spiritual, verbal. All those things are bad, uh, but that's some of those are really up to perception or perspective. And so the abuse that I would say for sure, without question, to get away from is physical abuse. I mean, if you are being physically abused, whether a man or a woman, you need to you need to get some separation. You need to get out of the home, get away from the violence, get yourself to a safe place, That's right. contact the authorities. I mean, that is never okay. Physical abuse is never okay. The other ones aren't okay either, but I'm saying a lot, some of those are up for interpretation. Um, and we've heard a wide range of things on that when people say, well, they were emotionally abusing me. But when you talk it out with them, it really was just a misunderstanding about something, not really an emotional abuse. And so, but that does happen. But I'm going to touch to the physical abuse because that was the question uh, that was asked. And so, go ahead, Pastor. No, well, then there's a follow-up question as you're pondering this one uh, to tag along with that. Do you think it's a good idea after divorce to remarry the same person? Okay. So answer yours. Come back to okay. this one. All right. <laughs> you could have let me work through one before piling two on. No, I'm just kidding. All right, because we'll get there, okay? <laughs> Process this. No. Like I said, physical abuse, get out of the home, okay? 
Can God do something in that? Absolutely. I mean, God can do anything. He can heal. He can redeem. He can restore. He's the only one who can change people. So I do believe God's desire is always reconciliation. But however, that's a two-person decision as well. And when you talk about physical abuse, typically someone who is physically abusive is making a decision in that moment on what to do. And I I can tell you a couple stories. One story, uh, this is not about physical abuse necessarily, but I think it kind of plays into it. Um, there was, there's a woman in our church who last week was telling me kind of the history of their marriage, which I was unaware of. Uh, they both got married when they were, they were not saved, and her husband was cheating on her openly, like just was like, I'm not changing. But she began to follow Jesus, and she was wanting to leave him, which she had you could say, biblical rights to, according to Scripture, Matthew 19 and a couple other places. And so she was contemplating that, and she felt like the Lord told her, no, like, I want you to stay, and I want you to honor your husband. And she said, it was incredibly hard. It was incredibly painful. And I was like, Lord, this is only for you. And her husband saw that and said, what's different about you? Like, I want whatever that is. Well, he came to Jesus, left the person that he was having an affair with, and now they have a great marriage. But that's not the case for everybody, right? Right. She was telling me about a person. This is why I'm getting that story. She's asking me this question. I said, we're going to talk about this next week, I think. But that a person that's asking her, it's a woman who is in a situation that's a similar situation where her husband is cheating on her and wants the girlfriend and the wife. Is that okay? I was just checking to make sure. No. We don't okay. we don't do that here. Not do we? that I want it to be okay. I'm just making sure I'm la- I'm asking the ladies to speak up a little bit here. No, thank you. Not even a soft no, hard no, hard pass. All right. Not okay. And and the guy's unwilling to change. And so, you know, that's one of those situations like, hey, first of all, she has biblical reason, but also he's unwilling to change. So where I'm getting that is come back to the physical abuse. If a person is unwilling to change, I mean, separation first, and if that person doesn't come to the end of themselves in that moment and realize, I am, I am losing my marriage I, if I don't change, I would question whether that, I'm not saying only God knows their heart, but I would question whether that person is now a believer because if they're choosing to physically do harm and violence to their spouse unrepentantly and unchanged, then I would say you've got to, you've got to keep yourself safe. Can God change their heart? Absolutely. Has it happened? Yes. We hear story after story of that. And this plays to the second question. (laughs) Should you remarry a person after getting divorced? And that's, that's, there's no blanket answer to that because it depends on if that person has changed or not. I mean, there are scriptures, even in 1 Corinthians 7, which has a lot of instruction on marriage that talks about if, you know, if a person is uh, married and their spouse is an unbelieving spouse but wants to stay in the marriage, then they're supposed to stay in the marriage because God can change that other person by your behavior and your honoring. You're the one that makes that marriage holy. And there's a scripture there that goes on. Again, I was thinking about this this morning that says, whatever situation you're in, remain as you were when God first called you. In other words, when you first got saved, if you were married, stay in the marriage not stay in a physically abusive situation. Right. He was right. talking about this scripture specifically speaking to not trying to leave your spouse because they're an unbelieving spouse, but staying in it and God can transform you or transform them. 
Uh, but it does go on to say, and if, if you have left them and they want to be reconciled, then by all means, come back to them and be reconciled. So can you remarry somebody after getting divorced? Absolutely. I think that's God's best plan, honestly. But that other person has to have changed. If they're still physically abusive and violent, no, do not go back into that situation. You know, if they're still cheating, no, do not go back into (laughs) that situation. So there's no blanket answer to that. I think it has to be taken a little bit in a case by case. I mean, I've spoken a lot. You guys can speak into this. I was going to share that second part you just said. So you did great. I'm sorry. You're good. We're still working things out on the platform, everybody. This looks good. Hey, and guys. You... I'm sorry is something every man should say. I'm sorry. You're good. Yeah. Well, we'll keep moving. Hey, guys. Many of you uh, asked so many questions. It's maybe a challenge for us to get all of these uh, hit today. But if you're going through something and you really just need somebody to talk to, simply call our church line. That's 903-757-7791. And we'll get you the help you need, okay? So simply call that number. We'll get you set up with someone who can visit with you and move from there. But, hey, let's keep it going. I was going to say, especially if you're in one of those situations we've already talked about. Like, we want to help you through that. Absolutely. Um, So here's the next question. What if your spouse knows what is right and acknowledges it, but refuses to do it? And how do I get my spouse after 19 years of marriage to see there's something wrong when they don't feel like anything is wrong? It's getting deep, isn't it? (laughs) uh, You just got to pray. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not not joking. You do have to pray. Um, This is a funny analogy that came up, but it's a real story in our lives and our marriage. Um, Eating healthy and exercising. So I don't know about you guys, but I, he cannot be my accountability partner on that because I just get my feelings hurt and offended Don't do all the time. It, man. Don't you just do called it. me fat. You know, anyways, he's never done that before. But um, what I thought about is um, in my health journey, um, I can have friends cheering me on, you know, encouraging me, helping me, saying, hey, why are you eating a bowl of ice cream or whatever? None of my friends do that, sadly. Mindy tells me to eat more. Um, so that's okay. I am not good. Anyways, but, but I, I have to. I have to come to a place, I know this is a shallow thing like eating and working out, but I have to come to a place where I'm ready to do it, where I'm ready to make that choice and be disciplined and do this stuff. And I think that even in more severe things and more serious things in marriage, um, I figured out really early, I can't change Stephen and he can't change me. You do have people um, and personalities that are more compliant and people that are more stubborn, just naturally the way that God created us. Uh, Were you insinuating? I I don't know. I didn't think that was, I was like, okay, anyways. So um, you do have people that are naturally more compliant that may go more with the flow or just want to please their spouse, which we all should want to um, in a healthy way. But you're never going to be able to change your spouse. You're never going, you can, you can love them. You can speak like Pastor Stephen and I taught on, you can speak things into your spouse that maybe aren't existing and they will, they will rise to that, but they've got to have, they've got them and Jesus have to get that together and, and that will bring the change. And so you just pray and be diligent to seek the Lord for them and pray for them. So, right. And I just wanted to speak on that and just share a little personal, um, testimony in the beginning What's happening? It's, it's the joy just unscripted here. <laughs> yes. Um, no, in the beginning of our marriage, we did um, 
struggle a lot. We, we fought a lot. I nagged a lot. Um, and it just never seemed to get us anywhere. It was just um, constant um, headbutting. And so I finally um, realized that I cannot change him. And so I just really realized that I had to go before the Lord and ask the Lord, like, what do I need to work on? Like, what is in me that I need to change? And I had to just like leave him, like forget about all the things that I didn't um, agree with that he was doing or whatever. And I had just had to focus on myself. And I just began to, to pray and allow God to change me. And I began to pray for him, not where he was and not like complaining to God like I, like I had been, because that's what I had been doing when I was praying for him was just complaining. And so I had to change my perspective. And like Tandra said, pray for him, not where he was, but where I knew he could be. And the, the godly man that I knew that God had designed him to be. And as I began to do those things, he saw a change in me. And that's ultimately where the healing began. Absolutely. You know, I was, I was a Christian. I was walking with the Lord, but we were contentious at home behind closed doors. Um, and I was ready for the fight. You know, I grew up in a uh, household where, hey, the one who's got the last word is the winner. And so I did that, I did that well. But I, I will say this, um, going off what you said, honey, it wasn't until I saw the change in her and the softness and the quietness. Even though I started the next fight, she didn't comply. She didn't chime in. And I started to see a change. And I started asking myself, in, you know, um, inside what's going on with her. But I saw the quietness and I saw something stewing and it made me change. And I will say this. I wouldn't be on this platform if she didn't make that change first. Amen. Yeah, that's good. And there is, you know, that, that's a biblical thing. You can read that again in 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Peter 3 talks about this. It talks about it to the wife, but it's true for men and women. But by your godly behavior, you can, that's how you change your spouse. Your godly behavior, not your words saying this is what you need to change. And uh, So you can read that in first, uh, first Peter 3, 1 and 2. But I would also speak to the second part of that question, which was, what do you do if you've been married 19 years? And what does it say? Your, your spouse doesn't see that there's anything wrong in the marriage, but you think there is? Right. Okay, so I didn't want to miss that one because I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, I know there's something wrong, but they don't think there's anything wrong, so they won't come in, they won't ask for help, anything like that. And I think I would just encourage you, also what they said, you can't change your spouse, but one way maybe to approach it would be to say, to come to them humbly. I always say, like, in humility, that's what, part, that's what heals relationships is when you come humbly and say, Hey, I know that you don't maybe think that there's anything wrong here, but for some reason I do, and maybe it's me. I need a perspective change. Would you be willing to go with me to get some counsel to help me see what I need to see? Even though you might feel like your perspective is right, sometimes it isn't. But that may, through that humility, bring them to a place to say, well, sure, let's go find out. Because they may be thinking, yeah, you're just going to find out nothing's wrong. And then they may find out something is wrong, but you just both in humility are, are uh, willing to accept that. I would say you cannot go wrong, though, by coming in, in humility and saying, maybe it's just me, but would you be willing to do this with me or for me? Yeah, that's great. 
Awesome. You know, I've even said many times uh, right here from the platform, we have resources for you. Uh, our merch store have marriage books. Uh, go to a marriage seminar sometime in your life. Excuse me, not your life, but in your marriage each year. All the time. In All your the life. time. Um, but there's different resources out there for you. Don't just sit at home and sit in isolation stewing over what's going on in your marriage. There is help. So reach out. Um, you know what? I'm going to lighten things up just a little bit here, Pastor Stephen and Tandra. Is it heavy? It's a little, it's a little, we're pulling back a little bit. Um, here's a question. How often do you encourage date night, and what is your favorite date night activity? We want to hear that from our pastors, right? There's not only one date night activity. I didn't say there was. <laughs> <laughs> but it did about, ask the favorite. We joked about that. In what way fun. did you read that question? Favorite. You know all the anyways. Never mind. <laughs> what are y'all people are thinking? At? People <laughs> are thinking. No, that's Go good. Ahead, um, <laughs> you started it. I know. Go for I it. did start it. I did start it. So obviously, there's soup, there's tons of date night activities. Uh, in our old age, uh, not really old, but we're in our forties now. So in our Shh. in our. Uh, Don't we telling our secrets? <laughs> We we so we just like really good food, and then we go right. watch a movie or go. We do like to eat. We go to the hotel early or go back home early. Go to the or, hotel. You know, sorry. What hotel are you talking about? <laughs> Hold up. When we're, Wait a second. <laughs> Who are you with? When no, we're I'm just kidding. Hotel. I'm just. Playing. I'm just... When we're She's talking hotel. about like on an anniversary or something. We don't just like weekly going on hotel trips. I'm like. What's going on here? We just went on one for our, no, for Valentine's Day. There we go. That's what it was. But I'm just saying, I just wanted people to know that's not normal. (laughs) Like, what y'all doing on a Friday night? We're just going to a hotel every Friday night. (laughs) And then leave that night. Hotel Six, just down the road, just... (laughs) That's the only way to do oh it every goodness. week. Oh, my goodness. So funny. So there's more than one activity is what we're saying, right? Yeah. Okay. Got it. This went Got off it. the rails quick. I know. Anyways. Bring so it back. obviously, Bring, back. bring it back. Bring it back. Um, so we try to do something once a week. Um, we're still working on, um, it's different in every season. Uh, whenever you don't have kids you got all kind of options. Um, and then whenever you do have kids, the, the options get fewer and fewer. And then once your kids get a little bit older, it's a little easier. Thankfully, we're on that a little bit older. Our youngest is nine. So and our oldest is 14. So they can all stay at home and do chores while we go out. So we're, we're in, that, uh, in that awesome season. But but whenever you're younger or you have younger kids, you got to get more creative. You can do in-house date nights. Um, we would put the kids to bed early some nights and um, order food to the house or go pick up food and then or have a date food. night. Or make food. Yeah, he would make food. And um, <laughs> he's the cook in our house. And uh, But anyway, so you just have to be really creative. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a super creative date night. We just like really good food and hotels. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, move Y'all on. talk, please. <laughs> hey, before you do that, uh, Tandra was talking, and I looked over. Our kids are kind of sitting together on the side, and their face is just like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, I didn't what's know happening? y'all was in here. My <laughs> <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> My bad. And it do- Thought y'all were in the next service. Kids, right? Yes, 100%. Uh, well, we try to go every Friday is our date, day, afternoon, morning, whatever Whenever we can fit it into our schedule, but we try to make sure that we're intentional, intentional about keeping that 
um, and making that a priority because it's really important. We want our kids to see that it's important that we make time for each other. And so we usually go get, we have to go to two different places now because he doesn't drink yeah. coffee anymore. Uh, hey, so we, we go get coffee and tea. Any tea drinkers in the house? I got one. I got one over here. Got one more tea. There's plenty of them. Um, but then we like to just go window shop. We go and we don't buy anything, but we just go to different. We go to Lowe's. We go to Hobby Lobby. Where we go wherever, yeah. and just shop. Uh, so if you see us out in one of those spots, holler at your boy. Just we're dating right then for sure. Well, that's a fun. Hey, real one. quick, one other thing yeah. I was going to mention on that that we heard. Um, last year from uh, a couple who teaches on marriage a lot, one of the things that they started doing, I thought this was a really creative idea, um, was they, I guess the brain, the science behind this in the brain is that when you do something new with someone that you've not done before, it forms a tighter bond with that person. And so they just tried to do something that they've not done before as often as they can. So they would get on Groupon or something like that and just look for something they've not done before and try to do it together. And they said it really has strengthened their marriage a lot. Because you get in a routine, and you just start doing the same thing over and over again. And that's when you feel like, oh, we just lost the love. You know, you're still doing the same things, but just mix it up a little bit, you know. That's good. And I was going to touch on what Mindy said. Many times, I know it's really easy, especially whenever you have young kids, to think, we, we'll do it. We'll just we'll date whenever they're a little bit older. Or, you know, we want our kids to be the priority. Um, that's a dangerous place to be. Your marriage is, it's Jesus, Amen. and then your marriage, Amen. and then your kids. And your kids may, whenever they were younger, you know, Daddy, can you, we have all girls, so, you know, Daddy, why are you taking Mommy on a date and not me, you know? And um, they would get jealous sometimes, but this is the most important relationship. Right. And well your said. kids, one of the best things you can do for them is to be, to have a consistent date night and have a healthy marriage. So. Amen. Great, man. Great. Let's give them a round of applause. That's beautiful. Great commentary. We may have time for a couple more. Um, Let's jump right into this one. How do we set healthy, emotional, spiritual, and physical boundaries in a dating relationship? Me again? Okay. Do you want to say something? Uh, No, you go. Okay. Well, you put the mic up. Okay. That's cool. Um, Well, I, I think... Spiritual and emotional boundaries, you know, sometimes we minimize those, but they're very important as well. The scripture in uh, Song of Solomon talks about not, not arousing or awakening love until the time pleases. And that is not just a physical thing. I think that is an emotional thing as well. Sometimes you can stir up your emotions before it's time. Like if you, I always tell our kids, like when they want a date, we say, well, you, you know, until you're ready to do something like get married, it's probably not a good idea because you're going to get your heart and your emotions going in a direction you're not ready to go in yet. Uh, it's really love is like a, a fire. We use this analogy before. It's a fire that in the right container is wonderful. Like a fire in a fireplace gives warmth to the house. It's beautiful to look at, but you don't want a fire burning in your living room just free, Right. And it's the same principle. This is where boundaries come into play. Boundaries aren't bad. Boundaries keep the fire in the right container, which is marriage. Marriage is the container for love. And so when you talk about healthy, emotional, spiritual, and physical boundaries, I would just start, I mean, look, physical boundaries, everybody wants to know how far is too far and all that kind of stuff. And I have used this before, but uh, if you're dating, you're not married, that person is still your brother or your sister in Christ. That's right. 
So don't do with them what you wouldn't do with your brother or your sister, okay? Does he need to say that again? It's awfully we, we quiet. Got we got it. Single people are awfully quiet here. Yeah. Um, we That's got right. it. Okay, we you got, got it. it. All right, cool. Um, so, I mean, we always say, too, like, put your boundaries so far that you're not tempted because once you hit that boundary, you're going to keep going. You want to go to the next boundary. That's just the way that you're wired. And so uh, Tandra and I, we decided when we, we wouldn't kiss until we got engaged. And we kiss at engagement. And a week later, we had to quit kissing until marriage because we were like, the fire started, you know, <laughs> and we don't want to burn the house down. It was like a month later, but that's irrelevant. Felt like a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> Either way, you get the point, okay? You get the point. But a lot of people today, they've taken all of the boundaries away. And so they they just want to move in with each other. They want to play house with each other. They're like, I want to make sure this is the right person. So they've taken a try before you buy approach, even even in the church. And look, the reason that that's wrong, and I'm about to go on a soapbox maybe, but the reason that that's wrong besides the physical things are that you're, you're trying to have what's supposed to be there in a marriage without the commitment of a marriage. Wow. Because if we That's start good. having the same house, sharing the same bills, getting a dog together, but I don't have the covenant of marriage relationship, mm. I can get out when I want. And what you're doing is telling yourself in this environment, it's okay when you don't get what you want to get out. And so when you actually do get married one day, you've already trained your brain to think, when I don't want this, I can leave because I'm not tied to this. And the statistics prove, too, over and over again, that people who cohabitate before marriage have a 50-plus percent chance of divorce after because they have trained themselves that this is not a covenant relationship that they can get out of it. So set your boundaries far enough that you, you know, the physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, I would say spiritual boundaries. Tandra and I talked about this. Praying together is a great thing, but it bonds you. Mm -hmm. It's an emotional attachment. So we always tell people who are dating, limit the time that you're praying together. Pray together, but don't be like, we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting for a couple reasons. That's not good. But <laughs> yeah, there's an good. emotional tie that comes when you're praying with each other. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I just told you one blank. That was really good. So I was just going to add really quick to that is to have accountability. If you are in a relationship or dating or any of those, you need to have godly accountability that are not afraid to call you out if you are going over the boundaries that you have set. Amen. That's awesome. Well, good stuff. We have time for just one more question. Uh, Pastor Stephen Tandra, how can you identify when you have elevated the pursuit of a boyfriend or girlfriend relationship above the pursuit of your relationship with God? Any markers to recognize? That's a great question. I think um, you can look at your thoughts. Um, What are you thinking about all the time? You can look at your words. What are you talking about all the time? What does your calendar look like? All of those things. Um, The word says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if your heart is, obviously, if, if, you know, my heart, I loved Stephen, you know, before we were, were married, but I still had to keep Jesus first and my first priority because this wouldn't have worked if, if I didn't have him first. So awesome. I think some, some indicators are your thoughts, your words. You know, if you just quit talking about Jesus and all you talk about is this guy or all, all that you're thinking about, your, your schedule is just consumed. You're not having time with the Lord. You're not putting Jesus first and you're just giving every bit of your devotion uh, to this person then um, you've probably elevated them 
too too high, you know, to where to where they don't need to be. You guys want to say anything, or do you want me to speak? No, into it? we just want you to uh, really finish that question. And okay. Well, I, that what you're saying is is right. You got to watch your your heart and your thoughts. I was in a situation before Tantra where that happened. You know, I didn't realize it. You know that the phrase "love is blind." Love is blind uh, in the sense of you don't realize how invested you are sometimes until somebody outside of that situation can say, hey, we're concerned about this, the amount of time you're spending with that person. It's pulling you away from God. It's pulling you away from your friends. That had happened to me, and I didn't even realize it. And so I had elevated that person to a place in my life that they were never designed to be in. And and so I was pulling on them for things that they couldn't give me. I was leaning on them for things they were not supposed to be giving me. And that goes back to your relationship with God. But that's a great question is, are the people outside of you, you need, to Mindy's point, you need accountability. You need godly people who are speaking into that relationship who can say, hey, we're concerned about this because the level of attention you're giving that person has you know, gone above God. If you're not having time with the Lord, but you never miss a date night, you know, if you're never in the word, but you're texting them nonstop and calling them on the phone on hours of the night, there's a question. It's pulling me away from, from God. And I would say too, that's not just for dating, by the way. Uh, After you get married, not that you need to have boundaries there in that sense, but you cannot ever look to that other person to be God in your life. We talked about this in week one of this series is that that person cannot complete you. That person cannot give you enough love to satisfy that void in your life. That person it was never meant to be God. And so if, if you find that you're constantly frustrated at your spouse post-marriage because they're not providing enough for you, I would say redirect that to God and let him fill those, those voids in your life. But those are the markers I would be looking at, the same thing you said because ultimately, and this is, goes back, if you could sum up the entire series from week one to today, it would be that your relationship with God is the most important relationship that you can have. Because if that's not healthy, there will be no other relationship in your life that can be fully healthy. Because you will look to friends, you will look to your spouse, you will look to someone you're dating, you will look to anybody else to fill a void that only God was meant to fill. And so I would just encourage all of us, honestly, it's a reminder constantly to me that if I want to be a better husband, I have to have a better relationship with Jesus. I have to understand his love for me even more. I have to look to him for things Tandra could never give me. And so uh, that's the priority relationship that all of us have to work on. Amen. Anything you want to add? Well, none I want to add, but uh, our time is expired, Pastor Stephen. <laughs> is there I love any? It. I got a bunch more. No. Yeah. Is there anything? Anything? You? Any last words? No. I mean, I think I I would have said it just now. Give you, relationship with Jesus number one relationship uh, first, and, and then you offer every other relationship to Him the same way you offered yourself to Him. Amen. 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 We're so glad you were able to join us at the table today. And we would love for you to be part of the conversation next time. To join the conversation, you can ask questions or even suggest future topics you would like to hear more about by texting TABLE to 903-200-3808, by emailing us at aroundthetable at weareincc.com, message us on Facebook or Instagram, or visit our website at weareincc.com. Join us next time around the table. We'll save you a seat.